Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Trusted Tech Talk podcast. I'm your host, Manny, and I'm joined today by Rob Sambats, who's the founder and managing director of IndieSpring. He's going to be discussing his journey into the tech world and how, at such a young age, he decided to go out himself to set up the business, which has now been running for over 14 years. Welcome to the to podcast, Rob Sambach. How are you doing today? Uh, very well, thanks, Manny. Yeah, not bad, not bad. Uh, it's good to have you on, Rob. I know um, since we've been doing these podcasts with Trusted Tech Talks, we wanted to get you on here for a while. So really excited to have you on here because I think you've got quite an exciting journey and you guys have done the, done some exciting things over the years and it seems to be more exciting things coming up as well. Um, I, I, always, I, think, I think it's good, Rob, when we start these off, uh, for those that don't know you, It'd be good for you to talk through just yourself, what you do, but then also going into your journey into tech and what led you here as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, obviously, my name's Rob Sandbach. I'm the founder and MD of a, an agency based in central Manchester called IndieSpring. Um, we're, we're 25 people, uh, pushing on to 30 actually now. Um, and, yeah, we do mobile app development primarily. Um for clients in the US and in the UK predominantly. Um, and yeah, I've, uh, I'm an agency lifer, um, born in Manchester, uh, educated here, university here, went to, had, had two proper jobs, um, one in an agency, one in a software house, and then decided that I wanted to sort of step out on my own and, and give it a shot. And I think, um, yeah, I, I don't know what pushed me directly into that decision. I think at the time I was a bit naive and <laughs> how much work that would be. Um, but I'd managed to do a bit of contracting and moonlighting. I'm a, no, I'm not a developer by trade. I taught myself to code. So I'm one of those um, <laughs> dangerous developers who think they can do it, but actually can't. But yeah, I, I was contracting at the time and decided to, uh, I was given an offer but by my clients at, at that point who were actually still a client. Uh, to, to give me a runway and I, I left full-time employment uh, and decided to enter the freelance world. Um, I was 24 at the time um, and that's where it started really uh, and it's been a, a journey since since then. I, the first employee I hired was my brother. Um, being a contractor we didn't have an office so we uh, you know we worked remotely. He was actually still at university in Hull at the time so as we got busier, I decided to hire more people, uh, but they were all remote contractors around the world. So uh, at one point we had a, a contractor in, in every state bar Antarctica, uh, sorry, every continent bar Antarctica, um, which was pretty exciting and a bit crazy for a 25 year old to be managing. Um, so so we did that, that whole working remotely thing initially. Um, as we, our model early on was to hire development talent you know as contractors at day rates around the world but to do the the testing and quality assurance and project management in-house here in manchester and as we started to hire more and more friends and train them up and, and colleagues and people looking for work we worked out that actually we could probably um cross train some of those people into development for the for the more support sort of elements of of, of our work and so we did. And it was at that point we decided to get the office. We wanted to build a, a team, a, a sense of a vibrancy of culture, uh, be more than just, a, you know, um, Slack certainly wasn't around back then, but a Skype channel and 
Mm. Uh, you know, an old fuddle project management board. So we did that. We got we got an office in sale. Um, we got the guys together. I think there were four of us based here then, uh, and and that was the start of it really. But from from that point onwards, even then, it was it was a, uh, you know, what's now called hybrid working. Uh, you know, eight nine years ago, uh, we just said, look, we, we'd like to get together Tuesdays and Thursdays in the office, uh, but but the rest of the time, feel free to work when and where you want. Um, and we've just gone from there, Manny. Um, We've, we've had some very fortunate clients or we've been very fortunate to have uh, such good clients and we generally generally hold on to them we you know a lot of our work is is long-term partnership led stuff so we, we don't tend to do the one and done type projects we, we generally are embedded within our within our clients teams and, and viewed as um you know as part of that team as opposed to an external supplier so that's given us great strength, particularly through the last few years, which have been challenging for so many people. Um, and yes, we, the rest of it's just history. We moved into town um, and, you know, bigger offices, more people, more enjoyment, uh, larger clients and just working our way up that ladder, really. It's uh, it's quite, it's quite, um, could be seen as quite a daunting or massive leap to set up yourself at such a young age i know nowadays you've got entrepreneurs that are teenagers in the bedroom but back then to give up that corporate world to set up something there must have been um, a gap or i i don't know there might not have been but was there something that you saw there as a gap in in that agency in that sort of digital agency world where you were thinking do you know what i think i could do that and if i had the right people around me i could I could fill that gap because it must have been yeah. the demand was obviously there, but it's just really interesting to to know what what you thought that you and what what has obviously become Indie Spring and a really good successful business. Just that you saw, do you know what? Yeah, I, I can do this myself. Or, yeah, or on my own. it's it's a great question, and it, it gets back to our purpose really. Um, for me, the opportunity was to change the way I worked to get out of working for someone else nine to five to work how, when and where I wanted. Um, I, th I think I'd be lying as well if I didn't uh, mention that contractor rates were significantly higher than uh, than salaried employees. But yeah, I, the driver for me was that was that lifestyle change. And it, 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 it really came when I, I, I traveled, um, I, you know, fortunate enough to have the opportunity to travel the world a bit for a few months um, with my uh, then girlfriend, now wife, and just being exposed to, you know, being on the road and realizing that I could continue to, to freelance and moonlight whilst, whilst doing that really opened my eyes. And I think I got back to full-time employment and thought, I don't need to do this. Uh, and if I can, you know, earn a, a fair daily rate and, and, and take that opportunity, I should. Um, it wasn't for me a great, a big idea. You know, we're not a product company there where we've seen a gap in a market and we're going after it with a product and a solution, uh, although we've tried that a couple of times. For me, it was a lifestyle change. And I think that's why from the beginning, that's been mirrored throughout the organization. Uh, it's that opportunity to allow initially my brother, then my, then my friends, and then obviously the circles now are much wider. Um, give the opportunity to our staff to work in a different way. Um, of course, now, um, after the pandemic, the world's eyes have been open to it. And we certainly weren't the first, but I think we were early. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's, that was the why, and you know, our purpose is to enrich the, the, the lives of our employees. Um, 
you know, the, the, the work that we do is important and we aim to do a good job, of course, but the, but the why really is our staff and our team. Um, and yet it came from that, it came from that rather than a, an insightful observation as, as to a market gap. It was, a, I guess, a, initially a selfish desire to, to work in a new way. How, how, is, um, how is that just not working a nine to five, Monday to Friday working out? Because... I, I could imagine you actually probably do more hours now and more days. Than yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, but it's on your own terms, isn't it? I think yeah. that's the difference, and you know we certainly don't expect that of our, of our employees. So um, it, it's the freedom to choose. I think that's what's important, yeah. and you know, primarily, or sorry, originally, you either worked for someone who told you when and where to work, or you had to take on all the risk of being your own boss and then of course you can do what you want but as you've just alluded to especially in the early days it's it's not a an easy lifestyle I think nowadays you can take on the salary job and get the security around that but also enjoy some of the benefits of flexibility that come from having an employer that's not breathing down your neck with rigid requirements as to how and when you work and I think that's the opportunity the world's opening up to now we were just lucky that we we stumbled upon it um as I say uh, t- 10 years ago or so well, well, I think I think though, Rob. Obviously, I, th- I think the first time we spoke was maybe about four and a half, five years ago. And I remember at the time when you were talking about, yeah, it's flexible. People can work remote. Back then, there were there, those types of businesses in Manchester were few and far between. Um, but I think because that's been in your core from day one, like there are businesses out there that are offering this now. But it's a huge culture shift. And I actually saw a business yesterday that have now, first of all, we're saying unlimited holidays. I know that's a, a talk within itself because <laughs> it's proven they don't take, they take less holidays, but they've changed, yeah. they've changed it now. They've said, now we're, we're scrapping it now. We're uh, we're not doing unlimited holidays anymore. And yeah. I think that's always the risk with some of these businesses that were five days in the office and then saying, yeah, we're now flexible. We're remote first. Like the, the, the tap could be turned off at any point. Um and I think because you've had that ethos from day one, people know what they're joining isn't a new thing um, and it's going to take some adjustment. It's it's probably a reason why you've managed to be successful. I managed to come through the other side, especially the, the tough time that we've had during COVID as well. Yeah, I think you're right. I do think it's easier to start that way than it is the transition for the for the reasons you've alluded to. And, and you know, the, the fundamental principle for me of, of flexible working is you have to trust your employees. If, if you find you're trying to install surveillance software or you're worried they're going to be less productive or you, 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 you're on a losing battle, uh, you, you, so you have to hire people you trust and you have to hire people who... Um, you know, who are capable of being self-directed, not being micromanaged, uh, given a task and gets on with it, supported, sure, but 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 not not directed every day because that's very, very difficult in a, in a remote environment. So, yeah, we were blessed because we were doing that from the beginning. So everyone we've hired has been hired, you know, against those criteria. Um, I imagine it's more difficult if you're a business that, that, that didn't hire against those criteria and we're hiring people who need sort of more hands-on management. Yeah, it's, it's a hell of a transition to have to get your head around. Um, but yeah, again, fortunate, um, very fortunate. Oh, definitely, Rob. What, what, one, of the, one of the things that resonates, resonates for me, and you mentioned it earlier on in this talk, is those original partners that you started with, a lot of them are still working with you now. And how, how many years on is that now? 
Um, so so uh, our oldest client's been with us from the beginning, so so sort of ten years. Um, and ten years, yeah. I'm just that 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 that's for me to to have that trusted partner for ten years. What what why do you think it is that they they started with you ten years ago and you're still their first port of call right now? And because because that's that's rare that a, a business would stay with somebody for ten years with how competitive that that industry is. Yeah, um, I mean we don't have that many clients you know we might have eight to ten uh, but the average tenure for them will probably be over five years at this point I would imagine so as to why I mean you'd have to ask them I, I, I'd like to think that our transparency is a big part of that one of our core values is transparency um, I have a theory that, that if, if, as long as you're transparent with people you can only ever make an honest mistake um, it's when you start trying to cover things up or bluff or pretend that that, that relationships really start to go sour. So I think that helps. I think, you know, on a more pragmatic sense that I'm an engineer by, by, by trade, we, we, we tend to gravitate towards engineering code integration led projects that tend to be more substantial and uh, long lasting in, in nature, you know, transformations, the buzzword now, um, but yeah. they're not generally marketing campaign led with a, with a shelf life. So, uh, I think when I look at across our client base, we're op- we're on the operations side of things as opposed to the marketing and sales side of things, which I do think helps as well. You know, the other side of it is you know being independently owned without any investment. I think we have the opportunity to scale at our own pace. You know, we, we've grown. I think our average growth rate is about twenty five, twenty six percent year on year, and depending who you ask, that's either incredibly slow or incredibly fast. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's just the tech world that we live in, isn't it? If, if you're investment backed and you need to accelerate, 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 you don't have the luxury as we had of taking a year of pausing and saying, we're not taking on new work. We we need to just sort our processes out. And, you know, in my experience, every three years or so in our world, you need a year where you just rethink, restructure, um, you know, and, and just catch yourselves up a little bit. Um so, so that's probably helped to, you know, not having that driving imperative for growth and which, which means you start to cut corners and, and, and start to not take the time you sometimes need. Um, uh, you know, the last piece I'd say is, is, is relationships. Um, I, I'm, I'm very big on face to face for all we're, 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 we're hybrid organization. Um, I'm very big on face to face relationships. You know, we keep all of our development team here in the UK um, we visit all of our clients regularly even the ones in America um, and I think that adds a, another layer of um, trust to the partnership that helps you get through the tougher times. What, one of the one of the things Rob that um, is, is interesting obviously from where it started to where it's gone and um, I know there's the, the the clientele's changed as well. You, you've kept those core clients, but the variety of work that the team's doing is is, is quite exciting, and it's it's sort of two opposites as well, really. From you know Vegas to stuff that you're doing in the UK with some really good um, sort of third sector, public sector charity type businesses. It'd be yeah. good if you just talk through that journey for Indy Spring and and, and sort of what. Yeah, you're absolutely. How, um, how you guys have transitioned to support such varied, varied clients, but then um, also a little bit into, I, I don't know if you can talk about it, but what that pipeline and what the, what the sort of the future looks like for you guys as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, 
being an agency, our, our, our history and story in that regard is similar to most others. We, 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 we would originally do um, anything we could for anyone. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, original clients were, you know, maybe the barber or um, or, or a restaurant and, and, and websites like that. Um, and then over time, as happens, you gain experience, you gain a bit of cash in the bank, you gain the ability to say no, you learn what you're good at, you learn what you enjoy. Uh, and those things all start to, you know, uh, self-propel and, and you have case studies and uh, that support more work in that sector and so on. Um, where we focus really is on our technology and our, you know, what we do. Uh, we haven't focused yet on who we do that for. Um, you know, the, the advice is to try and to find a discipline for market. Um, we're honing in on discipline. We're mobile first. We've been doing, you know, apps uh, since the, the iPhone, the App Store launched. Um, but we haven't yet we haven't yet focused on a sector. Um, I think as we grow, that that might be our, our next step. Um, but but really, we've been climbing that 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 I guess you'd call it brand ladder from from people that few people have ever heard of to people that most people in Manchester may have heard of to now starting to work with some some larger organisations as you just mentioned. So the the the, the big clients that we won over uh, the COVID period were the British Heart Foundation, where we've done some work uh, around improving access to defibrillators um, uh, as well as. Uh, more than car insurance and uh, and some work within telematics there to help improve driver safety and uh, you know and, and reduce insurance premiums as a result of that. So you know just knocking on the door now of what, what we might think of as as high street names or or, or brands that, that you might expect people to be aware of, which is really exciting for us because you know for the first eight years we weren't working on those projects and. And of course, we, we we value all of them, but it is nice to work on projects that people have heard of, and you get that um, you know that little spark of interest as you mention these names, and it it helps you get to the next step. And um, I can't speak too much at the moment to, to what's coming down the pipeline, but um, you know it, it's more in 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 that vein. That said, you know um, we, we still work with a lot of startups and a lot a lot of excitement and energy and enthusiastic entrepreneurs and people who've, who've gained investment and are looking to develop products and want to get uh, you know a head start on on that. Uh, there's some great stuff happening there. We're working with a, a wonderful professional networking solution called NetHub. That uh, they're our most recent client win, um, and encourage people to have a look at that. Um, yeah, so it, it, it's still a mix. Um, as I say, mostly mobile focused, um, but 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 across a variety of sectors and business sizes. No, it's it's um, when you say those household names, it's it's great when because um, I've been recruited for sort of seventeen years now, which makes me quite a bit of a dinosaur. But when I've supported clients or helped them to, to you know put teams in place for them, that's helped with the development, and then I see. An advert on TV, or I see uh, something kind of on a billboard. It, it's sort of that you get that satisfaction and thinking, God, I was part of that journey. I helped them to to achieve yeah. that, and, I, and that's it. Sounds like that's what you guys are use as an organisation are getting getting now those household names that that everybody's heard of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, Touchwood. Uh, we, we've got a couple. Of the the objective is to to to, to work up. Up, up, up to more um, but but it's always a journey isn't it you know selling to those organizations is different to selling to 
um, you know, your, your, your friends and family initially and then network contacts and so on. So it's exciting for me. Um, yeah, you know, we're, we're, we're hoping to get to 40, 50 people in the next couple of years. And, and that, that's a degree of change, which is, which, is, which is great. My role clearly has changed from the, the days when I was doing the coding and my brother was, was doing the, the quality assurance. But um, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. And you're right, the, 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 the glow of being involved with, with some of these more prestige projects um, it, it is great. It's a, it's a nice bonus on, on, on those jobs. Next question I've got for you, Rob, is um, at, at the moment, and I think you, you touched on it a bit there about you, you guys are looking at getting to sort of 40 to 50 people over the next few years. What's the, the, the tech scene in the UK is absolutely booming. The Manchester tech scene, again, you, you see investment, the amount of investment that's coming into the city, e- even the, the infrastructure for the skyscrapers that are coming in for people to come here, even though we're, we're meant to be, everyone's going remote first. But being in the thick of that Manchester tech scene and being setting that business up 10 years ago, you, you've obviously seen a lot of changes. But for yourself, what, what do you just see as the most exciting part of being in the thick of that tech scene which is Manchester right now I, I think you know I, I'm recording this this podcast in London at the moment and uh, you know cl- clearly a, at a different stage of, of, of their tech scene journey um, but just the the vibrancy and the energy that comes from getting like-minded people with different ideas exciting innovative uh, approaches to new problems I think there's, a, there's more than a network effect. It's, it's a catalytic thing that you can walk into a co-working space and just feel it in the air. Um, you can overhear a conversation in a coffee shop and get excited just, just by, by eavesdropping. Yeah. And I think, you know, um, Manchester's always had that entrepreneurial, um, that, that slant to it, definitely. But but I think I do think these things propel, propel one another. And, yeah, if... if, if as Manchester grows, as we get more people in the room and different views and differing viewpoints and different ideas, um, I'm really excited. I think it could be huge for us. And it's, it's happening, you know, that the, the Manchester Digital are doing great work, tech festivals, the digital city festivals and so on. We're, we're getting there, but I'm really excited to, to uh, be part of the, what I think is going to be absolute huge change over the next 10, 10 years or so as, as, as we shift from... Uh, you know, uh, another city in Manchester that, that's large enough to have a decent tech scene to really accelerate as a as a vibrant hub within within the UK and, and wider world. No, it is it is a very exciting time, and um, I, I didn't know obviously when COVID hit, there was a bit of a speed bump, only a tiny one, but then it just went right. Well, actually, everything's okay, and it's just kept on going. And yeah. uh, I, I think I think when people are talking about about right now it's 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 competitive for whether you're finding for, for work and there's so much work about at the moment and there's so many options for people it's just we've got to get used to this as potentially just being the norm now um because if it doesn't slow down we've just got to adapt and think right this is the Manchester yeah. market now there's going to be more and more people coming in there we've just got to keep true to our culture our our beliefs and how we treat our staff uh, and then people automatically get attracted to them as well, those types of businesses. Um, 
absolutely we, we, we're coming towards an end here rob which um i feel like we could we could keep talking for a long time <laughs> um but what what the question i always like to ask on these is if 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 you were right now starting your tech journey what advice would you give yourself if you were starting all over again right now what would what would you what would you give a, a young rob sandbach uh, advice on I wish I had a super sexy answer. Um, for me, if you're an entrepreneur that, that isn't investment backed, that ha- you know, especially as a, a service based agency, each hire was really difficult, and you had to really justify it, and you had to be sure you'd get that back. I, you know, my advice to, to my prior self would be: do that faster. Get get invested in people who you trust and know and take that risk a little bit sooner than I did. Uh, and I think that would have accelerated my, my growth a lot, a lot sooner. Um, that, that would be the advice. Just, just, just take that little bit more risk and, uh, and invest in having a decent team around you. And I think that's really where the, all those relationships, all that work, all that transparency is worth nothing if you haven't got the right people in the right seat. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Trusted Tech Talk podcast with me, Manny, and my guest speaker, Rob Sampach, founder and MD at IndieSpring. Don't forget to follow us on LinkedIn and Spotify and subscribe to our YouTube channel so you never miss another episode. If you want to discuss this topic further, have any follow-up questions, or would like to be a guest on a Trusted Tech Talk podcast, then get in touch with me via email or on LinkedIn.